side left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard out at T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Let's get at her. It's time to get serious. Two preseason games remain for the Vegas Golden Knights. So one at home, one on the road on Saturday night. And we will see, according to Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a pretty good indication of what the season opening lineup will look like over the next couple of games. Uh, there was a great quote from Pete DeBoer today talking about uh, amping up and getting down to where you're working on what is going to impact the regular season and the day-to-day games as opposed to uh, just watching the players. And uh, I, I thought it was, it was telling. Uh, tonight is another step towards uh, the full lineup, getting close in the last two games, and players are excited about it. They, uh, it's not about evaluation anymore. It's about getting into the systems and getting yourself ready for opening night. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm about where the players probably are. It, it, you've got two more preseason games. You've got two more opportunities to tune yourself up. But, you know, you really start to look and, and circle on the calendar October 12th. You're ready to go. You want the regular season to get going. And, you know, you, you, you have these dress rehearsals. You have these two games to really hone things in and be ready to go because this is a team that's looking to do some real damage in the regular season and then, of course, in the postseason. So injury is going to play a role in where the Vegas Golden Knights are as far as their opening lineup is concerned. Uh, You're not going to be able to dress, say, uh, Nick Watt. We haven't seen him in the last couple of days. Uh, Not sure if we're going to get a look at uh, Shea Theodore back in the lineup uh, just yet, but Braden McNabb certainly appears to be closer. They have the two goaltenders with them now as uh, Logan Thompson has been returned to the Henderson Silver Knights, who won last night, uh, beating Tucson in the American Hockey League's first uh, night of exhibition. So good job by Manny Bivros and company. Uh, but you are down to uh, to basically the group and then somebody who might be making a push for a final roster spot. And uh, one of those is, is a Gage Quinney. Uh, 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 another one is a uh, Peyton Krebs, uh, Patrick Brown. Like, who's going to occupy that fourth line when we get into it? Brett Howden is also a guy that's been uh, in and out, uh, knocked around a little bit. But that's sort of the, the last of the decisions that, that were going to be made. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think when you look at the lineup tonight for the Golden Knights, the top three lines are are pretty well set, right? I think we all kind of have an idea of what it's going to look like for the Golden Knights in that regard. But, you know, for me right now, the only guarantee on opening night is Keegan Colasar, right, for that mm-hmm. fourth-line spot, fourth-line right wing. I think you can pencil that in, and, and that's a pretty good indication. But you've got an opportunity for a couple of players to, to push the envelope here the last couple of games and get themselves into a, into a spot to play opening night. Wah was hurt 
uh, Will Carrier yep. was banged up, took yep. the skate to the face uh, the other night in Colorado. So pending their availability, Pete DeBoer has to go down and use that depth that uh, they've spoken so glowingly about that this is the deepest, most talented group of forwards in the five years uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, uh, and based on what we've seen so far, they may need it uh, on the availability of a Howden, of a Carrier, uh, of a, a, a Nick Waugh. But the, the top two lines, I'm a little surprised. It looked like it's going to be status quo there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third line, we saw it early in training camp, that grouping of Matthias Janmark, Evgeny Dodanov, and Nolan Patrick. And they've worked in, probably spent more time working others in and around mm-hmm. That threesome yep. and having the threesome together. But Pete DeBoer hinted strongly today that that will be the third line uh, when we start on Tuesday night. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You, you've got three guys that I think complement each other very well. We've, we've seen Nolan Patrick get better every single game that he's played so far in the preseason. And you know, just his skills around the front of the net, his ability to make plays, you got the finish from Dodonov, and you've got speed from from Matthias Janmark. I think when you kind of put together a line, this one makes a lot of sense on paper. Now what I want to see is is that line tonight be effective, be impactful, especially in the offensive zone, because you're going to need some scoring from, from places other than your top six. And this is an opportunity to kind of build that confidence with your new, your new third line. You go through training camp and you get a chance to talk to the players at, at different times. These three have obviously been told that uh, there's strong likelihood that they were going to be uh, playing together at the start of the year. Uh, Matthias Janmark said something interesting to us, that he sees himself as the guy that, uh, that goes and grabs the biscuit. Mm-hmm. He's the puck retriever. Uh, Danov is the shooter. He's the 25-30 goal guy. And then you have Nolan Patrick, who's in between the disher, the setup guy, uh, but can also get his feet dirty uh, playing that uh, that net front presence in, in and around the, the power play and a little bit of a, a swing guy. So uh, you talk about complementing each other and working together. They do that very well in the different skill sets that they have. And as someone that that is hyper fixated on Nolan Patrick through this camp, I like his game. I really do. There's a lot of aspects there that that I think you can get excited about. It, it, kind of putting away some of the stuff that he does on the power play, net front presence, puck retrieval, all that. Just his his ability in the offensive zone to kind of try some different things, get a little creative, but also use his body, use his size find ways to to win pucks and and make plays i've really liked what i've seen out of nolan patrick through this camp and and really how his game is getting more and more comfortable here with the vegas golden knights yeah i think that there's been a progression from Mm -hmm. game one uh to game five and i thought he was pretty good out of the gate that we that we saw some some strong presentation of his skill level and he just I said this to uh, a member of the the Golden Knights Hockey Operations Department in Denver the other night. He just looks like a guy that has that swagger, that skill set, that that bigger body that can make plays. He's a presence Mm -hmm. on the ice. And the response I got was they felt 
the first two periods in Denver, he was the best player on the ice, that he'd had a strong camp, and that that performance that night, and this, I, I realize Peyton Krebs put up a four-pointer uh, mm. at the end of the evening, but the, the shift, the shift, and the consistency, uh, what you saw out of Nolan Patrick, was strongly appreciated by hockey operations. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing a lot. He's creating a lot. And, you know, progression through the preseason is what you want to see. Ultimately, though, it, with every player on this team, what they do in the regular season, that's that's what's going to matter most. And for, for a Golden Knights team who spent a lot of this offseason really trying to build depth down the lineup to address – the third line, which has ultimately been Alex Tuck and then everybody else, whoever yep. he's playing with. Your hope is that this new combination with Yanmark, Patrick, and Dodonov can put the puck in the back of the net and become a threat, not just a one-dimensional threat, but a line that works in concert, and you've got three guys that can put the puck in the back well, of the net. Well, I think Yanmark's a 200-foot player. Sure. So that gives you uh, an identity on the defensive side of uh, the puck. Uh, I like uh, Dodonov's uh, game and and his um, – he's a really solid hockey player, mm -hmm. and he's a solid body, and he's tough to knock off the puck, and I think he can check uh, a little bit. And, and Patrick is still developing as a player, and we already – you and I both really like him. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's positive on that front. The third line uh, is an interesting topic of conversation with this franchise. Uh, the last two years, you've got the identity of the of the Pacioretty and the Stone and then the Stevenson arrival and the co-number one line with the Misfits. Mm -hmm. You you had that, that one-two punch, that high level of being able to roll over one elite line after another elite line. And then you had the fourth line with the meat grinders, real strong presence on the ice. The third line with Alex Tuck was where Pete DeBoer, really going into the bubble in Edmonton in that postseason, wanted to create a mismatch with the other team. Mm -hmm. And it was for a while, and, and there, it was effective. Alex Tuck had a great postseason there. But last season, with players in and out, and then Tuck was moved up a couple of times uh, on the top line, the third line was the only one of the the four lines that didn't have that identity. Mm -hmm. What's the identity now? Can you can you quantify that with the Danov, Patrick, and Yanmark? That's I mean that's an interesting question because And I'm I, not asking it, for a nickname, Ryan. No, no, no. But I, I'm, like if I were looking at, at a line that I trust in all situations, one that if if I needed a a defensive play. I need. I have a, a an end zone faceoff that I need to win, and, and you need to get the puck back. The line I look at is Marcius O'Carlson and Smith. I think from mm -hmm. from a defensive standpoint, that's the line you put out when you just when you know you need 35, 40 seconds of not going to score. No one's going to score against us. We are shutting it down. I I tend to go into this season thinking that the identity of the third line is is going to need to be one of uh, a line that can produce consistently. I, I don't think you're, you're looking at a, a goal every single game, but I, I think that this has to be one of the more productive third lines in the league because 
if I'm looking at different situations, I'm looking at the Carlson, Marcheseau, and Smith line as more of a line that, that you rely on heavily defensively. So one of two things happens. Your third line produces, and it takes minutes off the top two line and mm-hmm. gives you a mismatch. Or in the case, of, and I'm speaking purely on the, on, the, on the Vegas Golden Knights because they have those top two lines that are solid and uh, and are known to everybody, both in this building, we're at T-Mobile Arena getting set for the Arizona Coyotes and the Vegas Golden Knights in game six of the preseason for the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're known to everybody around the league as well. What happens if you don't have a good third line is you either play the fourth line more or you play the top two lines more and you take away minutes from your third and the fourth units. And you, you end up, well, it's great to have those elite players on the ice more. You're taxing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, the last couple of years with Carrier Reeves and and Wah or Nosek or whoever was it was in the middle there, the idea without the 10-minute mark was sort of the maximum there where you wanted to play them. This time around... I see things being spread out a whole bunch more. The top two lines, their minutes may not go down. I, I don't think they're going up mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, they, I don't think they necessarily go down, but the third and the fourth lines, I think will be a lot closer in ice time. Uh, and then you'll see power play minutes for people like uh, Dodanov, and Patrick, they'll 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 complement their minutes. But five on five ice time, I think the top two will stay the same, maybe nudge down a little bit. Uh, the third line goes up, and the fourth line goes up. If you've got uh, somebody like uh, a Krebs or a Howden or uh, a Wah, uh, somebody in that mix on that fourth line to give it a little bit more oomph, a little bit more expectation of not just changing momentum, but actually scoring goals. And and I, I think that's kind of the, the philosophical question that you kind of enter this season in is for your fourth line particularly, it's it has been a line for the Golden Knights that has been about shifting momentum. It has been a line that has been about getting pucks in deep, banging some bodies, and setting up that next line on the ice to, to have some success, to be able to roll that momentum shift to shift. But is the shift here for the Golden Knights, our depth down the lineup is good enough to not just control play, but find the back of the net. Mm-hmm. So last season, if Will Carrier or Ryan Reeves are out of the lineup, would you put Peyton Krebs with them? No. I wouldn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. Not the type of player. It's putting Krebs in a bad spot uh, because he's not that type of player, and it's taking away necessarily what what uh, what the meat grinder did. Sure. Uh, if 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 Krebs can't fulfill that role, then then you then you you weaken that identity. Uh, you won't see that. You'll still see banging. You'll still see hard forechecking. If Patrick Brown's on the ice, that like he's a he's a B out there, mm-hmm. and he finishes his checks. Yep. You, you still have that, but you also have just a little more width when it comes to offensive ability. I'm not calling Patrick Brown a 15 goal scorer, but I but he can score. 
he, he's got that, that talent. He's, he's done it every time he's been inserted in the lineup. He scores big goals at big time. So if it ends up being a Howden, Waugh, Carrier, or, and, and one of them is out, uh, maybe Patrick goes in the middle or, or a Krebs goes in the middle, you, you do allow yourself more room to fiddle with your talented players that are on the fringe, tweeners, right now. Mm -hmm. Krebs is trying to make this team. Patrick's yeah. trying to make this team. Uh, Patrick Brown, uh, that is, is trying to make this team. You, you put a more offensive player on that fourth line than just a one-dimensional uh, momentum type uh, changer. And, and I like the idea of moving in that direction mm -hmm. because, you know, again, you, you, you have to find, I think, room for, for some of these guys, these tweeners, to, to give an opportunity to, to produce at this level. Mm -hmm. and, and you're not trying to just create an opportunity to create one, but by virtue of some injuries so far through preseason, you're in a really advantageous spot right now to give some, some guys like Peyton Krebs looks on the fourth line to see if that's something that perhaps regular season you could utilize to your advantage. So 10 minutes, 11 minutes from the fourth line, you throw a couple of power plays in there, now you're up to 13 or 14. And I'll go back to the comparison to a year ago. Uh, with the fourth line the way it was, and very effective, and and we all loved it. But yep. salary cap and uh, extenuating circumstances forces a turnover. The coach it plays the cards that he's dealt. Right now he's got a very deep forward core that is uh, very talented offensively through the 14, 15 players that he has access to. Mm -hmm. uh, a year ago, you had more of that energy in the fourth line, momentum changer. You wouldn't have put a Cody Glass last year with those players. If if but this year, I think you would put a Peyton Krebs with the fourth line, uh, to because there's just a little more upside uh, offensively. How much of it is also kind of the way Peyton Krebs plays the game? Because as 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 much as we marvel at his skill, there's a motor there. There, there is, is yeah. a workhorse mentality that he has. And I think that for for Peyton to kind of be considered in this spot, you, you need to have the best of both worlds. And that's what we marvel at. It's it's not just the skill. It's how dogged he is on the puck. And But there's also the, like, if you're out there with, with Reeves and Nosek or Carrier, one uh, take one of them out, put one of them in. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on out there. And you want somebody that, that's a little more able to handle themselves. <laughs> now, this is just, I don't know whether Pete thinks that way. I don't know whether Kelly McCrimmon thinks that way. Mm -hmm. But I think that way because if, if I'm the Peyton Krebs or put your skilled prospect in there, uh, out there, uh, I'm looking around going, I, I, I can play bigger, but I know the first person anybody's picking out of the pile mm -hmm. on the other team, and it's me. <laughs> I Call me crazy. Yeah. I think you can handle it. Yeah. I do. I, I think there's a, a little bit of a bite to his game. I, you know, you, you kind of see it, and you don't really want young players to, to jaw at the referee, but, I mean – there was a penalty in the game in Denver. Peyton Krebs didn't like it. There was a little bit of pushback there. I, I think that there's an element to that game with Peyton that he'll push back if he's pushed. How do you think he follows up what happened in Colorado the other night? 
I, I would hope that he follows it up by making plays tonight. You know what I mean? Like he's he's playing with Gage Quinney and Keegan Colasar, and, and, and I have loved Colasar through camp. I, I think that he is is just improved when it comes to confidence and, and his belief in his game at this level. I I would like to see Peyton Krebs make some plays. I, I want to see him make plays. I, I want to see him continue to show that at this level, even if the puck doesn't drop, even if it's, it doesn't lead directly to points, there are still offensive plays that he can make, whether it be on the fourth line, whether it be on the second line. I want to see him making and having an impact in the game. If he plays down your lineup tonight, and it sounds like he's slotted in there, mm-hmm. coming out even would be a success. But following up a four-point night creates uh, buzz, creates expectations. Mm-hmm. And a successful night for Peyton Krebs will be coming out of the, the game even with his line mates and five-on-five play. But if he can if he can add anything, it'll be on the power play. If they can get going and show some creativity and some touch and some dominance on the power play with Peyton Krebs, because that's his moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Until he gets to a point where he's on a top two line, a top six scenario, the power play is where he makes his impact. And if he can if he can add from a four-point night to real presence on the power play, however the units are divided up uh, tonight, that will be the part to, that will put the pressure on hockey ops and, and the coaching staff to take a long, hard look at Peyton Krebs for that opening week lineup. Being able to produce on the power play, which is the only thing close to an Achilles heel. And I don't even think, I think it's, this team's not walking with a limp here. Sure. But could they run faster with, with uh, a good power play? For sure. That, that's the part tonight that I'll be watching for is Peyton Krebs and the man advantage and his impact on the power play. So that leads me to my question. When you look at kind of the top three lines in the game for the Golden Knights, what we expect this lineup to look like, does Peyton Krebs draw into the power play for yeah. you? If, if yeah. these are dress rehearsal games. Like we, we expect, uh, Pete DeBoer said Pacioretty's going tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't up there for the morning skate, but he said uh, he's going. So if, you're, if you've got your top two lines with the Misfits and, and the Stone, Stevenson, uh, and Pacioretty line going, uh, if that's, and, and he's already said that Nolan Patrick is, is going to play with uh, Jenny Dodonov and uh, Bintias Janmark, if, if that's, if that's your look, then you have seven forward positions for two power plays because they only play uh, one defenseman on the first unit. Is Peyton Krebs one of those seven forwards? Well, Stone is out there. Pacioretty is out there. Marcheseau, Smith, and Carlson are out there. Do you put Dodonov on there? Yeah. So there... So then it comes down to Stevenson or Krebs? Nolan Patrick, too. Nolan Patrick. Right. So, yeah, I think I think he's right in the mix. Yeah. And so with, with, with the uh, Patrick suggestion, you've got a tough decision. 
Stevenson knows the power play very well, but you want it, you want this thing to go better. Mm-hmm. Is he is he the odd man out on the power play? Uh, Patrick has shown great signs on the man advantage, absolute man uh, brilliance on, on on getting this thing going uh, between between Patrick and Krebs. I think that we see see them both out there. Maybe that's the audition that that Peyton Krebs, if he can make an impact on the man advantage, yeah. it puts him in in that lineup spot. Yeah, and I'm curious to see like on the back end when it comes on the power play tonight because you don't have Shea Theodore, you don't have Alec Martinez, two guys that would factor into what the Golden Knights would be doing on the power play. Does Peyton Krebs maybe get a, a look as as you know, that second defenseman with Alex Petrangelo. We saw how well those two players work together in Denver. Maybe that's something you get you get a look at here. I, I'd like to see Peyton Krebs get an opportunity to play fourth line minutes, five on five, yep. and have his moments on the power play. Because if it's something that, that in theory looks like it can work, then you have an opportunity to go into the regular season with skill literally up and down your lineup. And that would be, I mean, that would just be a testament to what Kelly McCrimmon was able to do in the offseason in building this team's depth down the lineup. So I've put, uh, I've got 10 forwards, really in the, 10 forwards tonight are in the mix for your power play. And I've taken Stevenson out, and I've taken Yan Mark out, and then you've got a couple of decisions to make. Sure. Yeah. I'd agree uh, with that. Krebs. Krebs isn't playing on your number one unit, but he could really help your second unit. And that second unit goes with two defensemen. I, I would still go with the two defensemen because Martinez, when you watch him play in the power play, is so effective with that one-timer that he's he can float down and, and play in that low post role on, on the wall that he's borderline hybrid. Heck, he was in front of the net the other night. Uh, with the tip in from Alex Petrangelo, uh, I put him at uh, at a. Uh, he's not the Paul Coffey where he's uh, a f- more forward, just as much a forward as he was anything uh, out there. But I do think on the power play that he's a hybrid. So I, I still will go. I think that they would go with two defensemen on the second unit. Uh, that that's the storyline to me tonight is where with this semi dress rehearsal going with the bodies that are available that you would play if it was an opening night then yeah let's see let's see where Krebs lines up on the man advantage T-Mobile Arena it's going to be fun tonight gave away some tickets yesterday uh, to the Seattle Kraken Vegas Golden Knights and that big one on Tuesday tomorrow we'll have two more tickets to opening Ooh, night look at that yeah and we're only on for 90 minutes tomorrow we are yeah because we're gonna we're gonna get off the air and make room for the aces game five and baby. send them all the best vibes as the, the series comes back to to the strip for game five uh a lot of fun here we're gonna take a break uh, when we come back uh we are going to chat uh, about our top five at five we've got the top five hot takes that's coming up uh at the top of the hour this is slot number four, and we have uh, some news in one-timers regarding uh, one of the best players in the game taking a step back 
It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Golden Knights and Arizona Coyotes. Once division rivals will now play in opposite loops this season as the Arizona Coyotes slide over to the Central making room for the Seattle Kraken, who will play in the Pacific Division this year. Arizona Coyotes will arrive here tonight without Phil Kessel. He is in a, or was in a walking boot, the last uh, report that we got uh, surrounding the superstar with the Coyotes. And he is not uh, going to be part of training camp at all. And I was on the record yesterday saying he may have played his last game with the Coyotes because he's an asset. He is somebody that's in his last year of his contract. It's very affordable when it comes to dollars, actual dollars out at about $1 million. Uh, I think that he plays uh, somewhere else. And I think that the idea is to get him somewhere else sooner than later. I'm quite honestly, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't happened uh, already. Uh, but the Coyotes will... He's, he's not the only person that, uh, that, that will be moving on or having moved on. This, this Arizona team that we're going to witness tonight is void of a lot of star power, and it's not because they left a lot of star power at home. This is a rapid teardown, and who knows how long the rebuild is going to be from the Coyotes' front. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, it feels like this is going to be a four to five year process uh, just just kind of feels that way um yeah it's it's tough because you've you've got a couple of pieces you've got jacob chikrin you've got clayton keller um and when i say a couple i literally mean a couple yeah i was, I was actually wondering if yep. you could throw in a third one no I, I i really can't um as i'm i'm going through well okay maybe connor timmons maybe mm-hmm. But that's being pretty generous. It, it, it needed to be done. No, I feel like, yeah, it did. I feel like there were avenues, offer sheets, uh, that might have been a little bit more productive in the, in the course of this offseason that, that were not explored. But I, I just, I uh, would hey, like to I'm see. I'm shocked that they're, they're where they are right now from where this team was two years ago in the bubble. I'm not. Uh, in that not. season they, where they added Taylor Hall and they, were, were on the cusp and were drawing some crowds. Sure. It's, it's, it is such a all right back to the start again. They took swings and they missed on every single one. You take a swing on Taylor Hall, he gets here, you lose. Yes, you get into the playoffs, you're in the bubble, don't do much of anything. I, like, I, I commend the Arizona Coyotes for taking a swing. It didn't work and then you couldn't sign taylor hall long term you didn't have enough players coming back to to keep the team where it needed to go in the right direction and so now you're you're at an impasse what do you do do you throw money at free agents to try to just get a team that can maybe maybe be on the bubble or do you tear it all down and try to build from within and that's clearly the direction with that this franchise with the arizona coyotes mm-hmm. i would assign free agents to try and be on the bubble and try and be relevant and in the mix because they, they how, try the other part how before. relevant are you though like listen if you're if you're an organization that is is right in the middle you can't get good good high-end prospects you're not making the playoffs in this market like what are you doing you're competitive which for this franchise 2012 yeah they they, they made I remember a it well 
1996, 7, 8, 9, and around there, they were good when they moved. Beyond that, it's been a void. And there was a point, I want to say 2015, where their cupboard was pretty good mm-hmm. with prospects that were coming. Chickman, Domi, Coast, like uh, a lot of really talented players. They had uh, OEL. Uh, they had uh, goaltending. They, they, they weren't great. Heck, some nights they weren't even good. But, but that <laughs> you, could, you could see a path at least. And well, I, then, then two years ago, they acquired Taylor Hall. I, and again, I like I like the swing. Mm-hmm. But you, they gave up assets for Taylor Hall, and then lost him for nothing. Sure. Uh, they acquired Phil Kessel. They, they've made they they've made moves, and now they're back to the bottom. And this will be saying something, given where the Coyotes have been in their time in the desert. Leagues owned them. They've had some some real adventures. This might be the bottom of the barrel as far as the on-ice competitiveness that we've seen from the Arizona Coyotes in their entire time in Phoenix. Can only go up from here. Right, which is saying something because I didn't think on several occasions in their two and a half decades in, in Phoenix that it could get worse. And well, guess what? I mean, you, you it kinda, can only go up from here. You kind of hope this is the baseline. You, you kind of hope. I've, I've seen the baseline before. Oh. This is, this is different. The, 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 the best thing you can say about them right now? Is their jerseys? Yes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm super stoked about What did they have last year? They had goaltending. They had yeah, really fair. good goaltending. Who do they have as their goaltenders now? Listed on cap friendly, it's Carter Hutton yes. and Joseph Kojanash. Carter my, Hutton's a backup. My favorite name. I, as a person, mm-hmm. I really like Carter Hutton. Yeah, you're not winning hockey games, or or competing with Carter Hutton. He's a he's a good backup, and he's a great dude. He is. Yeah. Joseph Kozanosh, the biggest challenge is trying to say uh, <laughs> his, his name, and he might he might turn out to be a goaltender. Yeah. But, but. San Jose had the worst goaltending in the league last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm, yep. And he played in San Jose, and they didn't re-sign him. So I, like, if you don't – they've got a new coach who I don't think is I, – I, I feel bad. Sure. Uh, if they don't get Phil Kessel out of there soon, mm-hmm. it's going to be a distraction. I don't know where this they is, are. This is a team that is understanding this is going to be a painful year. This is a team that understands you've got some young guys. You want to try to see how much they can grow over the course of this year. You know it's going to be painful on the ice. Yeah. You know that your goal in this is to find a way to get a good, solid prospect come next season because that's what the Coyotes are playing for. They are playing for a number one overall pick. That's, that's legitimately what it is because on the ice – they are not going to be very good. And I think that the team you've seen constructed is designed to not be very good. And I should mention, while I believe it's posturing, they also don't have a rink to play in next year. When we continue, <laughs> the top five at five, uh, five hot takes uh, for 
the VGK Insider Show to dive into. Today we hit number four as we continue live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Continue on with our good friends and our lawyers, uh, Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com. And before we get into this situation about uh, the National Hockey League investigating Evander Kane for potentially using a manufactured fake uh, Vax card, just congratulations, Ash. Sam, I don't know about you, but when I watched that home run last night, that walk-off home run, I had a big smile on my face, and I was thinking, Ash must be jumping around wherever she is. I was. Did you call it? I was. Did you think this this could this could go deep? Because it was a weird thing. You get the walk and then the stolen base and everything's coming around. Nobody nobody ever really thinks walk off in that situation. I'm thinking single play at the plate. What's going to happen? Were you calling walk off? <laughs> what did I call? Uh, you know, I wasn't. But hindsight's twenty twenty. So I'm gonna. I will say I was. I think. I, and the other part that uh, made me think of Sam and Ash was when the celebrations taking place that uh, that they're going to need a personal injury lawyer. Because that, <laughs> that, that was that was a party at home plate. Oh my gosh, it was! I wanted to be there. Uh, so good, um, Sam. What? Uh, any any connection to Kirk Gibson? Like it's only the fourth walk off in a playoff game for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, and were you, were you channeling Kirk Gibson there? I'm almost channeling him. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I look. It's it was a it was a high energy game that worked out kind of it all came together and we're in, we're in the you know we're in the we're in the play here we're it's going to there's I don't know I'm feeling good about the Dodgers I think I think they could take it all the way I was worried because of the pitching change early but I'm glad that it worked out because I'm a big uh, Davey fan uh, with, the, with the skipper there. Uh, so let's slide up. Uh, it's now the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants, uh, first time ever, which is bizarre. And uh, we're going to go up to the Bay Area and talk about Evander Kane and the National Hockey League investigating his uh, potential use of a fake Vax card. Uh, let's leave the NHL part of it out first. And just, like, what kind of punishment, what kind of... Uh, uh, repercussions could he be facing here? Big ones. This is not good. So if you use a counterfeit VAX card, you face up to five years in prison under federal law. Yeah, that means the FBI comes after you, the U.S. Attorney's Office prosecutes you, you're in the big courthouse, not the little one, and it's uh, it's really, really not where you want to be. Plus there's a fine of up to $750,000. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, because if you try to travel and cross into Canada, which the NHL kind of makes you do, um, you're going to get fined with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and potentially also incarcerated up to six months. So it's not good. Do we know if that's U.S. money or Canadian dollars? (laughs) You know, when you get that many zeros attached to it, and you've got the letters uh, like the FBI or anything like that coming after you, you're you're in big trouble any way you do it, no matter what currency you're talking about. Yeah, and the word incarceration, that's just not good. Way too many syllables for me, and yep. that, like, it scares me beyond just the incarceration uh, part of it. Uh, the, uh, the idea that, uh, that he would go down this path, it sounds like the National Hockey League uh, got wind of it and they're investigating. Would it be incumbent on the FBI to, to, or whatever law enforcement we're talking about, but we use the FBI because it sounds more uh, official, uh, would there be an eyebrow raised and go, okay, we're automatically going to go there? Uh, we got to pick up on this. Say they, they don't even know about it and they're not aware of it uh, on their own? 
Well, you mean is is this drawing more attention yeah. because he's a celebrity? Of course, yeah, way better way um, of putting it, uh, Sam. Yeah, you're you're it's you're yeah you're always a bigger target for law enforcement because uh, you, law enforcement wants to will want to make an example out of you, and especially remind you this is uh, the climate right now is very COVID concerned and we we everybody wants these you know va- you know vaccination cards and mandatory vaccines and. So I think right now there's an enormous appetite among law enforcement to make examples out of anybody who is uh, trying to game the system and, and being dishonest. Um, um, I, I, and the unfortunate thing is, is he still has, what is it, four years left on a almost $50 million contract. So forget the 750 Canadian uh, pesos. Th- this is um, this is like he's going to lose what? He could lose 25, 30 million bucks. I've got questions. Do you, either of you guys think that his ex-wife or estranged wife is the one who leaked this and sold him down the river? Uh, having been married for a while, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she threw out all, she alleged that he was betting on their oh, games, yeah. remember? And she made a bunch of crazy sexual and domestic abuse allegations, so... I wouldn't be surprised if she maybe made, like, an anonymous call to, like, say that he was using a fake fax card. This is going to backfire on her, though, because if it takes away his earning capacity, wow, and, and he owes her money, I'm not going to see any of it. Yeah, and so, I, Sam, you bring up an interesting point just about the fact that currently Evander Kane is under contract with the San Jose Sharks. We, we know about kind of the bigger legal questions, but... In terms of the Sharks and honoring that contract, as this investigation goes on, what are some of the avenues that San Jose can can pursue when it comes to Evander Kane and his contract? Well, this may be a um, they they could very well use this to uh, to 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 kick him out. I mean, this, it depends on obviously always comes down to what's in the contract, but all of these contracts, these these athlete contracts, have hockey, other sports. Have morality clauses. Uh, they have, you know, certainly if you're if you are I mean, in some cases charged with a crime, but certainly convicted of a crime, or you plea out on a crime, uh, on a felony, you're 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 out. So I think it gives the team a, a very well a reason to begin their own investigation. Wait for this uh, federal investigation to take place, and then could could cut him from the team. So we're talking voiding of what fifty million dollars left on on money that uh, that would normally be guaranteed 30 maybe 30 something something like that I, but regardless a whole lot of money wow um if does it make a difference whether the vax card was canadian or american in origin oh that's a good question i mean i think it would matter for the sake of what i don't you know i don't know yeah you know what if it's i'll tell you this if it's i would assume if it was a document, a Canadian document that was forged, right? Yep. Then you're you're more likely, I think, to get prosecuted under Canadian law by Canadian authorities, because here the reason the feds are the reason the feds prosecuted here is because it's a forged federal document, a CDC document. Right. So if it's if you're forging, don't ever do this, kids. Right? Don't do this at home. Do not forge any kind of governmental documents, especially not federal documents because the federal court, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI, 
they are not, you know, they are not your local neighborhood, uh, you know, police department. They are going to come after you hard. Uh, they have lots of have unlimited resources, basically, and you're going to get uh, screwed. Are, are we kind of naive to think that, that this is one of one of just a, a small percentage of players? Or, or do you feel like among all the sports in, in the U.S. that there are more players that, that maybe are, are not as forthcoming with what their actual vaccination status is via, you know, forged documentation? I actually, you know, it's surprising. I, for some reason, believe that most athletes, this is the one situation where it's likely a a fake card. I think most athletes that got vaccinated for sports to continue participation, they actually did it. Ryan, that is the the most critical thing that you've said about athletes. Where you're accusing uh, all athletes this this is this goes down a new path for you i'm i'm, I'm somewhat proud of you right now i'm not looking <laughs> through rose-colored glasses that's that's disappointing actually because i'm i'm looking through rose-colored glasses with this thinking that the athletes in this case are are on the up and up i'm impressed buddy yeah um, i'm with you uh so I'm going to go back to my my youth, which uh, don't no no wisecracks about uh, ID being in in like etched in stone and, and stuff like that here. But how how different is using a fake vax card to using fake ID to get into some place? Well, it's going to be a very um, it's it'll it depends again. Um, on, on the, where you're using it to get into. I, I, I think, by the way, using fake ID to get on a flight is treated differently or to gain access to a federal facility is going to be treated a little bit differently than um, to use it just to get into a bar. And remember, generally speaking, ID is state-issued ID, right? So you know, right. a driver's license, for example. Right. So again, that's something that is prosecuted by the state attorney general's office, more likely a local prosecutor who's overwhelmed with a ton of cases and you're 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 not going to have the same kind of consequences using a forged passport for example again which is a federal document and that's going to bring in federal charges which i'm now i think sound like a broken record those are far more serious uh i'm just going to end it with this when sam says something like you're going to get screwed stay away from that stuff (laughs) Stay away from Don't that. Don't do stuff. that. And uh, and before we let you go, we got the Giants, we got the Dodgers. Uh, how how many games is it going to take for uh, us and the mighty Dodgers to get risk rid of those pesky Giants? Ash, I'm going to think four. Wow, we're going to the minimum, Sam. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go one more, five. Five? Oh, for I thought maybe we were hedging your bet and you might take uh, those those Giants. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, they are our lawyers. This is why we lean on them for advice. Like you hear the, the difference between the state and the federal and the, the Vax cards. Uh, we learn a whole bunch uh, every week uh, as our visits with Sam and Ash and SamandAshLaw.com. Uh, give them a call, 702-820-1234. They are the best in the business, and they're cool along with it. And you're not going to find that combination anywhere. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, and enjoy the uh, the National League uh, Division Series. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Wonderful. Have a great one, guys. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.